uh, series. And of course, the book of Psalms is not a little book. There's 150 Psalms. And uh, the one thing in my mind is, is the, the book of Psalms, does anybody know what the word Psalm means? Psalm. And so you kind of cheated. You looked at the screen, didn't you? That's what I thought. And so here's the thing is, is that many of these, if not all of these, the, the Israelites would sing. But there is, there is so much rich uh, history and, and really great Bible teaching. And I'll tell you, I don't know if you're like me, but I have found a lot of great comfort in the book of Psalms in my life. Uh, my first pastor, many of the things I went through, and, and this book and many of these Psalms have helped me over the years. I mean, what, probably what's the most famous Psalm? 23, right? And, uh, you know, that, that Psalm is, is very applicable for a funeral, but it, listen, I found many other applications for Psalm 23. And you know what's, what's really awesome is the way Psalm 22 Psalm 23 and Psalm 24 all go hand in hand in hand. You should read all three of those together. Maybe we'll get there in time. I don't know how long we're going to park in the, in the uh, Psalms, but listen, as long as uh, there's an interest, as long as the Lord's leading, then we're going to get started tonight. We'll, we'll just pick it up. Tonight I've entitled our, our lesson out of Psalm 1, six verses, the saint and the sinner. You want to know what the two points are tonight? The saint and the sinner. There you go. It's not three points in a poem tonight. Just two points. And so look at Psalm 1, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season." His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. Do you see the division right there? See, everything to that point was all about the godly. God's made this pretty clear in, in this passage. He says in verse 3, look at this, the ungodly are not so. Everything he just said about the godly, it's totally different with the ungodly. The Bible says, but they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall what? Shall perish. Now this, again, just I, there's a lot, of, a lot of great applications, biblical principles here in Psalm 1. And I just want to be practical tonight from this psalm it, it, one thing is, is that having known the way that the Holy Spirit ends this psalm, to me is, again, just another one of those indicators that we ought to be faithful witnesses for the Lord because those that are not saved will perish. And we need to make sure that we're sharing the truth. That was Sunday night's message. It was all about missions, all right? So let's take a look at this psalm tonight because really you're, you're talking about a Hebrew hymn book here. And this psalm begins with, uh, you know, a lot of the psalms, it actually tells you who the author of the psalm is. Now, we know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, right? That all of it is given from God, but God used human writers, penmen. And uh, the interesting thing is the first two psalms, we're really not sure who the author of those two psalms are. We do know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The, another interesting fact about these first two psalms is this. Psalm 1 
deals with the law. Psalm 2 deals with the prophets. It's interesting, the law and the prophets. At one time, that was a reference, and you find it in the Word of God in many places, that's a reference to the entire Word of God. And the Bible tells us that the law and the prophets on these two great things hinge all of the Old Testament revelation. It all hangs on the law and the prophet, and as well as really just what makes up the vast majority of the themes that come through the rest of the Psalms as you go through all 150 of them. Now, this Psalm, Psalm 1 tonight, is what we're looking at. Psalm 1 begins with a blessing, but it doesn't end that way. It begins with a blessing and it ends with a curse. And I want you to see tonight the two divisions of Psalm 1. Look at, first of all, the godly man. Uh, he mentions here in verses 1, 2, and 3 about the godly man. God begins these sacred songs, but he begins them on a high note. He's talking here about the godly man. Now, folks, look, I hope in your life you aspire to be like the Lord. I want to be a godly person, not an ungodly person. I want to have God in my life. I don't want to have God out of my life. And so he begins talking about the, the man that is blessed. Look at verse number one. Very first word out of the entire book of Psalms is blessed. Now, what's another word for the word blessed? Happy. Now, I want you to think about that as I, I talk about a few things here because uh, everything that I'm sharing with you tonight comes straight from this psalm. You see, the original Hebrew, when you look at it and it says, blessed is the man, and by the way, ladies, that's all-inclusive. When it says, blessed is the man, the word blessed there in the original Hebrew is not singular. It's actually plural. And when you look at it, basically, you could, if I'm doing justice tonight to the Word of God, you could render what it's saying here where it says, blessed is the man that, and, and then you read on in the verse, it, it could say, oh, the blessedness of the man. Or the word blessed means happy, so you could say, happy, happy is the man. Because remember, it's not singular, it's plural. He's not just happy. He's a happy, happy guy, all right? Uh, you could also say it's something like this, oh, the happinesses of the man. Because again, it's not singular, it's plural. What, what I find in my life, and I see through the Word of God, is this, that God doesn't distribute His blessings in our lives all at once. Would you agree with that? God tends to spread out the blessings in our lives because God blesses faithfulness. As we do this, God blesses us. God doesn't wait until the end or a specific time in our lives. God blesses us along the way. And this is what we see in this passage is that God pours out his blessings in the plural. Blessed, happy, happy is the man or the woman. So notice, first of all, about this godly man, that the godly man, first of all, his path is one that is separated from the world. His path is separated from the world. Again, in verse number one, it says here, who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. See, to, to emphasize the, the positive here, guess what God does? He starts with a negative. And he says, he walketh not. This happy, happy man, he's marked by the things, listen, that he does not do. He's marked by the places 
that he does not go to. He's marked by the things that he does not say. Uh, listen, this man is happy. He's, he is one, that, and by the way, if you're going to be a happy, happy person, guess what you're going to have to do in your life? You're going to have to avoid some things. You're going to have to stay away from some, some things. I have found that many times I allow things into my life, and when I allow those things in my life, guess what? I'm not a happy person anymore because I've allowed the wrong things into my life. Notice tonight here, I've given you a couple of examples in verse number one. The godly man does not listen to the sacrilegious man. He, look, the sacrilegious man is the person that, that it, is, you don't want to be around. He's, he's the one that's always putting down God and your faith. Look, if we are going to be a happy person, a godly person, then we don't need to be present at their meetings. You ever gone to a meeting sometime and everybody's sitting around grumbling and griping and complaining? Listen, what you need to realize is, okay, I thought I needed to be here, but this is not the kind of meeting that God's child needs to be at. You just need to get up and excuse yourself. Get up and walk out of that meeting. Uh, because, listen, you stay long enough, and guess what? You're not going to be a happy, happy man. And so this is a person, look, that you're not going to give advice to. You're not going to uh, take advice from them. Uh, you're not going to consent to what they're doing. A godly man doesn't listen to the sacrilegious man. But then notice also, he doesn't linger with the sinful man either. Because the Bible says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Uh, you know, now don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being around sinful people. Certainly Jesus was, Right? He was a friend of publicans and sinners. But it, listen, when Jesus was with them, there was a purpose why he was with them. And the whole reason that Jesus spent time with sinners was to lead them to a holier way of life. He was trying to direct them to a life that's pleasing to God. You and I, as godly people, are not to participate in sinful activities of this world. It, look, that is not God's way. Uh, and understand, in our lives, we've got to make sure. Now, a lot of times you think about the way of sinners, standeth in the way of sinners. That's what Peter was doing. When Peter, remember when the Lord was on trial and Peter was over there warming his hands by the fire? He was standing in the way of sinners. Hey, aren't you one of them? Aren't you one of the Lord's disciples? Weren't you, didn't we see you with the Lord? And what did Peter do? He denied the Lord. Guess what? I guarantee you standing at that fire, Peter was not a happy, happy man. He wasn't enjoying the blessings of God in his life. So look, a godly man doesn't listen to the sacrilegious man. A godly man doesn't linger with, with the sinful man. Look at number three there is we see the godly man doesn't laugh at the scornful man. The Bible says again, he, he, he walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, I want you to think about this, because as I looked at this, I wrote down the progression of the ungodly. There is a progression here. Look at this. The ungodly, we see first of all, then we see the sinner, then we see the scornful. See the progression there in verse number one? Now, Along with that, there is a progression in backsliding. Because look at the verse again, look at the words. Who, who walketh not in the council, who nor standeth in the way, nor sitteth. So it, understand here that it, many times people just start walking, and before long, instead of walking, they're standing. 
And after standing a while, guess what? They're tired. They sit down and have a seat. Folks, listen, the godly person stays away from that, uh, doesn't walk with them. Because if you start walking with them before long, you're going to find yourself standing with them. And if you're standing with them, guess what? You're going to sit down. And what kind of seat was he talking about? The seat of the scornful. These are, these are ungodly people, wicked people. But see, someone that's happy is going to stay away. Somebody said, as the company gets worse, sin increases its hold. It's hard to get out of those situations. You find yourself into a situation, when he uses the word seat here, many times it's just rendered chair, the, the seat of, the chair of the scornful. And look, the happy, happy man, he avoids the discussions with atheists and humanists. You know, if they want to sit around and talk about the Bible and the Word of God, that's fine. You know, I had a young man in our church, and he texted me the other day and said, hey, listen, I had a lady at work, and she was asking, said this about going to church, and he says, uh, he's, he said, I told her, no, that's not right. And he asked me some questions. Said, listen, I'm glad, now, I'm not the answer book, but guess what I did? I went right to the Bible. I gave him a Bible answer. I'm glad he came to the right place, meaning to, to some, get some godly counsel. And the Bible says here that the godly man is, is a person that's a happy, happy man. How can you be a happy person? Because God said for us to come out from among them. The only way you're going to be happy or, or the only way you're going to be godly is to be separated from this world. We are to be distinctly different as Christians. Listen, if we're not different than this world, then how's the world going to know what a Christian should be or what a Christian should look like or what a Christian should act like? I, I, look, I'm, not, I, I'm telling you, it's important for us to understand because when you think about these people today that, that delight in destroying the faith of, of, of believers or really even those that are weak in the faith, that's why today colleges and universities are so dangerous because they're full of teachers that are scoffers. They're scornful. you know. And the Bible says, look, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So notice, a godly man or a godly woman's life is one that is separated from the world. But look at letter B. The, the godly man's pleasure is satisfied with the word. Satisfied with the word. Look at verse number two. But his delight, see, he doesn't, he's not hanging out with the scornful people. He's not standing in the way of sinners. You know where he's spending his time? In the word of God. The Bible says his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I was telling, I was telling uh, the staff yesterday, we had, we had a staff meeting and had a time of prayer, and, and I, was, I was telling Brother Kenny, Brother Chris, I said, you know, I said, I, I've never felt like, you know, the best Christian. Uh, I, I, I fail miserably many times trying to read my Bible, having time of prayer, you know, and and, and I, you know, I'm just confessing out loud this morning. I know none of you ever have struggled with that, but I do. And, and, and you know, a lot of times I, I struggle. And I was listening to some preaching online, and uh, the preacher is 64, going on 65 years of age. And he said this as he began his message. He was trying to encourage some college students. And he said, you know, he said, after 40 years of pastoring, he said, God's, God has, has really burdened me. He said, I used to think I was a pretty good Christian because he said, I, I read through my Bible once a year. 
And he said, and by the way, most Christians don't even read through their Bible once in a year. But he said, I thought I was a pretty good Christian. And then he said, years ago, God began to speak to me about reading my Bible more. I needed to be in my Bible more. So he said, so I made the Lord a promise that, I, that every year I was going to read the Old Testament of my Bible through four times and the New Testament through six times every year. And he said, I did that for many years. Now, he wasn't saying this to brag, but he said, that's what I was doing. And he said, he said, but he said, then recently he says, God's been dealing with me because he said, it was almost like the Lord said, you need to be in your Bible even more. Now he held up a Bible about like mine. It's a little slim, slim line Bible. Doesn't have a lot of notes and it's just all Bible. He held up a Bible about like this. And he says, he goes, this is what I'm doing now. This man, if I, if I said his name, half of you know who I'm talking about. It's not my pastor either. But if I, held up, if I told you his name, you'd know who I was talking about. He is, busy, he is busier than any person that I probably know. And he held up his Bible. He says, in this Bible right here, he says, if I read 30 pages a day. And a lot of people are like thinking, you're going to read 30 pages of your Bible every day. But his comment was, you think about how much time... We spend on our cell phones, watching TV. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. So here's what he said he's doing. He goes, I'm reading now my, my Bible, 30 pages a day out of this Bible. And he goes, if I do that, I can read my Bible through once a month. The entire Bible. Now, a lot of us that haven't done that, which is probably all of us, are thinking that's almost impossible, but he's doing it. You know why? Because his delight is in the law of the Lord. Folks, look, I'm not, I'm not telling you go out and read yourself crazy. I'm just saying tonight that all of us need to ha be satisfied with the word of God. Notice the, the, the godly man, first of all, that God's word has captured his full attention. It's captured his full attention. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He has a different counselor than the ungodly man does. Uh, he, he has a different company that he keeps than the sinful man does. He has a different cause than the scornful man. You know what his first love is? It's the, the Word of God, the Bible. He loves the Word of God. And notice, not only is, does, has the Word of God captured his full uh, affection, but notice, secondly, it has claimed his full attention because the Bible says in the last part of verse number two, in his law doth he meditate day and night, all day long, day in and day out. He is, it's captured his full attention. He pours over the scriptures. Listen, he meditates on the word of God. And when he's talking about, and the Bible talks about meditation, it's talking about engaging consciously with the truths from the word of God, thinking about it. You know, thinking about what the Bible says as we open the Word of God, you know what you and I need to do is we need to seek to understand the truth that is in it. When we look into it, look, it's okay to ask yourselves questions. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. It wasn't that they were trying to cause problems with everybody, but they, they, were, they, were, they had a questioning mind. They were looking in the Word of God. They wanted to know the Bible. Look, allow the Holy Spirit of God to bring things into your mind. See, a godly person 
is one that's separated from the world, is satisfied with the word. But then notice letter C, a godly person's prosperity is situated by the waters, by the waters. In verse number three, look at it. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, in the Bible, when you find the word water, there's a couple different applications. One is that the water actually is used for cleansing, and when you see it in that aspect used for cleansing, it's talking about the Word of God, the washing by the water of the Word of God. And you, you also see another application when you see the word water because the, the water then also can be for drinking and that symbolizes the Spirit of God. So the Word of God, the Spirit of God. When you begin to meditate on the Word of God, what happens is, is that the Scriptures then release this river of God's Spirit so that our lives, your life and mine, we are refreshed by the Word of God. We're revitalized. How many of you feel good after you read your Bible? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You watch about five minutes of the news, you're ready to go out and find a 45, right? But you take out your Bible. Look, sometimes when, when, when you're feeling like, man, I, just, I, I can't handle it today. You know what you need? Grab your Bible, go find a closet somewhere and read the Word of God for a while. You'll come out of there with a, with a, with a better stride with a little bit more joy. I, listen, I think everyone here knows what I'm talking about. And, and if we know that, then why don't we do that more often? And he says, this is the godly man. He, he, he's meditating on the word of God. He mentions in verse number three, seven things that actually mark the life of the man who is situated by the river. Because when you think about this, look at first of all, his prominence. The Bible says he's like a tree. He, he's like a tree. Trees stand up. They stand out. They're easily seen. His permanence, he's like a tree planted. He's not just a tree. He's a tree planted. Look, South Florida, storms come through here. What's all the trees doing? They're all on the side, aren't they? But the Bible says here, a godly man is like a tree that's planted. The tree sends its roots deep down into the soil. It's talking about a godly person as one that has a deep, hidden life. Uh, it, it is one that is everlasting. It's permanent. I see a third thing he mentions here, his position. He is not only planted, but he's planted by the rivers of water. Now, again, think about this. How many times in our lives are there droughts in our lives? It could be finances. could be health. You know, you get to the place sometimes where, where you look, you just don't feel like reading your Bible. Anybody ever been there? You know, there, there are times when droughts come along and there's barrenness in our lives. But look, the, the man that is planted by the rivers of water, none of these seasons affect him. You know why? Because he's by the rivers of water. What does water represent? Life. This is a person that has an unfailing source of life. He goes on to say this, this prosperity, that he brings forth fruit. The, the branches of this godly person... The branches of his life, they run over the wall. Uh, his life is one that's a blessing to everyone. Listen, I want to be a blessing to people, but the only way I can be a blessing to someone is to be a godly person. And we need to understand that we need to have a productivity, that we bring forth fruit. He had a prosperity in his life. The Bible says he brings forth his fruit in his season. 
there's various seasons in life. Some seasons are more productive than others. There's times for growth and there's time for rest. But here's the key, that through those seasons, if we have an abiding relationship with the Spirit of God, guess what's going to happen? Fruit will come forth in its season. God will work in our lives even during those times. He goes on to mention another thing. He says his perpetuity, that his leaf also shall not wither. Uh, when, the, when the winter comes and the weather seems to change, this is a person that is always the same. You know why? Because the God that he loves is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change, therefore we shouldn't. And then look at the last thing he says. He says his prosperity is in verse 3, whatsoever he doeth shall what? Prosper. Listen, everything in his life, his family life, his business life, his church life, his personal life, everything in his life, if he's delighting in the word of God and he's planted by the rivers of water, listen, the godly man, bottom line, is a happy, happy man. How many of you want to be happy? Listen, I know we say it all the time. When mom is happy, everyone's happy. Listen, when God's happy with us, everybody's happy. And we need to be a happy, happy man. But look at the contrast here in verses 4 through 6, because God turns the page and he shows us the godless man. This is the person that leaves God out of his life. He doesn't want God in his life. Everything about this godless man is a direct contrast with the godly man. Notice, first of all, in verse number four, look what it says. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Notice, first of all, the godless man is driven. He's driven. This man, like that chaff, like the wind blows something away. These unsaved people, they're at the mercy of the forces that, that, that they can't control, that they can't see. The forces that, that work in his life, uh, maybe sometimes it would be satanic forces. They would be uh, w- spiritual wickedness. The ungodly man, listen now, is not the master of his own soul, nor is he the captain of his own destiny. He can't control anything. He's being driven. He's powerless against the forces in his life, just like that chaff is with the wind. When we lived out in Cal- uh, California, because we were up in the high desert, we, we had 30 mile an hour winds, if not higher, almost every day. And you go outside, if something slipped out of your hand, you would chase it for a long way. If you were lucky and it hit a building or a tree or something to stop it, then you would get it back. And I, I'm tell you something, that's what the chaff does. The godless man is driven, but notice letter B, the godless man is doomed. Look at verse number five. Therefore, because he's driven, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. He has no standing in the day of judgment. Everything that this man has spent his life on, everything that he has built, everything that he's invested in, every last bit of it's going to be gone. He is the man that the Bible talks about that built his house upon sand. And listen, that, that, that foundation is not going to last the, the uh, true account of Britain's Queen Elizabeth. Uh, she was known for setting her country on the road to greatness. Uh, she was a staunch Protestant. And I hope you know by now that Protestants are not Baptists and Baptists are not Protestants. We didn't protest against the Catholic Church because we never were a part of the Catholic Church. But, 
but, but Elizabeth was one that many people, even though she was a Protestant, many believe she was not a saved person. But listen to what she said. In the end of her life, gripping her throne, she said, all my possessions for a moment of time. And they pried her dead hands off of that throne that she was clinging to when she died. And that's a lot of people, they're hanging on to things because honestly, without Christ, we know it's true that they are doomed. And so the godless man is driven, he's doomed. Notice letter C in verse number six, the godless man is damned. Look what the Bible says in verse number six, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall what? Perish. There's only two ways, folks, the curse or the cross. That's the only two ways. The broad road, the Bible talks about, the popular life. We know that the Bible says that that leads to destruction, to being lost for all of eternity. But our nature, and by the way, our practice, the way human beings live their lives, they are bent and set on living a wicked lifestyle. Uh, to being an ungodly person. The prophet said, we have turned everyone to his own way, is what the Bible says. The lost man, he can't fight his way any more than that chaff can make its way through a, a heavy storm. And the ungodly person is one that will be damned. The, it's interesting here, the, the way of the ungodly shall perish. It, isn't it interesting how the Holy Spirit finishes this psalm, the beginning psalm with these words. Three questions I want to ask you tonight, and I'm not, these are just rhetorical, but I want you to think about, first of all, who? Who are you walking with? Because the Bible says that we should not be walking with ungodly people. Second question, what path are you standing in? What path are you standing in? Hopefully it's not the way of sinners. Third question, where are you sitting at? Now, listen, we need to stay away from people that would mock God, that would mock His Word, that tries to change the ways of God. The songwriter said, there's a great day coming, a great day coming, there's a great day coming by and by when the saints and the sinners will be parted right and left. Are you ready for that day to come? Look in your notes there at Matthew 25, and I, I just grabbed a few verses. You could read the whole passage, but the Bible says, Before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall he say unto, uh, also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now listen, I hope your attitude tonight is not, well, I'm saved. That's good. But what about all those people that you know that aren't? You see, there's only two divisions. God gives us those to us here in this stark contrast. The saint, the saved, and the sinner, the lost. 
I wonder tonight, are you ready for that day? And are you a happy, happy person? Because if you are, you can help someone else to avoid that curse that God talks about. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for this evening, for the truth of the Word of God. Kind of a sobering psalm to begin with, but it lays it out pretty clear. If it was just the first three verses, it'd be a, be a great psalm, especially for Christians. It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian, to be saved, to be on our way to heaven. But you included verse 4, 5, and 6, because there are people out there that are being driven around this world up and down by every slight wind of doctrine. They're following and chasing after the world, things that they, they, they really honestly are just going to destroy their lives. They're doomed. Their lives are going to end poorly. And the Bible tells us that they're damned. They're going to perish someday without the Lord. I pray that you would just build within us, Lord, help us to have the right kind of heart that you did to come to seek and save the lost. Lord, help us to try to win those folks and share the truth so that they too can be a happy, happy person. Thank you again for the word of God tonight. May we delight in it. May we meditate in it day and night. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.